Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Second wind. I have another fabulous lady for you today. Her name is Melinda V. Jacobs and she is of quantum therapeutics and intuitive coaching and clinical hypnosis gig. And she goes far beyond traditional therapy. She combines and blends counseling, intuitive coaching, cellular release therapy, and clinical hypnosis to create a truly unique and amazing approach for anyone. And it's a healing approach. And I have worked with Melinda now one time, one time. And I learned so much. I'm sitting there talking to her over the Zoom or whatever we were on. And I said, why? We had barely started. And I said, I feel like crying. Why do I... Why do I feel like crying? It was really bizarre. And things that you uncovered, I mean, I've been doing what, 100, almost 150 episodes now on Second Wind. I have had all these people, all these things, and I thought I was pretty good. <laughs> that I, I, figured, I thought I figured everything out. So when you uncovered some of this like past stuff that really affected me that I thought, went out the window. And I had an interview today where we were talking about how it was with John Leeward. And we were talking about how we stack things within our bodies. And then I said, oh, and Melinda's, you know, said the trauma stays there. Whether we sweep it under the rug or forget about it, or I said to you, oh, that was no big deal. Oh, that didn't matter. Oh, it was, it was a big deal, but I didn't know it until we uncovered it. And it doesn't mean anybody's wrong or right. It just means you need to heal from it. But you, and I said, oh, we need to talk on second when I need to get you out to the audience because obviously you can help anyone with anything. And I didn't even know you did the weight loss thing. So kudos for that. And we'll talk about that too. But you have a very interesting story. And when we first got on, I kind of said how I thought we should do this interview because I hadn't really done a pre-interview with you. And I thought we'd just talk about the thing. And I said, you don't really have a second win because you've been kind of, I've listened to other episodes of podcasts that you've been on and you've had an interesting journey, but it's led you to where you are, but there's no real event. And then you said, oh, I have one. Wait, <laughs> and it was, no, wait, there's more. And just a year ago. So let's talk about that. So Melinda, welcome to Second Wind, the podcast. Thank you, Wendy. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And I was a flake too, because I just kept not being able to find time to have our first consultation. And you wrote back to me the last time you go, obviously you have a problem with prioritizing you. And I looked at that and I go, oh my God, I guess I do. Because everything would come up that seemed to be more important. It's very interesting. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about that thing, that second wind moment for you, which is crazy. It is a little and not so much. So my practice is helping people move through and beyond trauma. 
I have been doing this work for teen, going on almost 20 years, I think. It's been quite some time. And I work with people all over the world. So I'm at 46 countries so far. It's so exciting. I know, oh right? Oh my gosh, that's great. I love what I do. I love watching people transform. I love being that light of truth, of calm, of possibility. And I love to sit in people's dark places and sit mm. with them calmly, just knowing what's possible for them. Mm. I've always said that I want to be the person who sits in other people's dark, knows the truth until they can know it for themselves. Love that. That's a big statement. That's powerful and very bold. Yeah. Very courageous. That came to me when I was in an eating disorder unit when I was 20 years old. And we're going to circle back to why that's so significant with the second wind knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've had a pretty successful career. I've, I've done a lot of corporate gigs. I used to be a bookkeeper, accountant. I've done executive secretarial stuff. I've been a paralegal, you know, I, I've just done a lot. And then I became a massage therapist. I had my own business. I had multiple therapy. Like I've done the entrepreneurial thing. I have a daughter who just turned 30. How is that possible? I know I have a 30 year old as well. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't even know. So last year, my offspring is just the most amazingly talented, creative person on the planet, of course, because it's my kid, right? And last year, their tattoo artist, and I'm I'm choosing to use their pronouns. So they were tattooing someone who was a student at the Denver University. It's a private school, very well to do in the psychology department and my offspring said to this person as they're tattooing this person i cannot tolerate the feeling of hair on my face they were discussing why my offspring had just recently shaved their own head and wow. it looks amazing looks incredible and yeah. the person's like you can't tolerate the sensation of hair and like i'm already just like oh get it off get it off and so the customer said, you know, I'm, I'm going to school. And have you ever considered that you might be on the spectrum, that you might have some form of autism and gave my offspring an online test to take? And I'm like, can I have that test? <laughs> Out of curiosity? Was it curiosity that made you think that? Not, not because of anything. Well, There were certain things I've known my whole life that I am highly sensitive. I am very, very sensitive to energies, frequencies, vibrations. I can feel things that most people can't feel. I'm highly sensitive. And and I've been studying and learning about how to be a highly sensitive person on this really intensely high intense planet. It's really a lot. Yeah. I even have developed a course for highly sensitive people. It's a nine-month course <laughs> because I needed those tools. And so over the last 20 plus years, I've been gathering tools to kind of navigate my sensitivity. Okay. So I'm not connecting the dots. I took that test and that test could have said, this is a test for trauma. That test could have said, this is a test for being highly sensitive. All those questions were in line with, 
that sounds like something that's a trauma thing. That sounds like something that's a highly sensitive thing. And so when I took the test and I scored really high, I was like, oh, and I just couldn't believe it. I'm assuming high is bad. High is bad, right? Well, not bad, but high means high meaning I am really on the spectrum. Like it's not a, a autism light. It is, this is a very high tendency towards autism. And I was like, this is weird. So I went on, I continued on the rabbit hole and I found a task for masking. And that's something that people with autism do. Actually, it's something we all do. We all wear our mask. This is what society expects me to see, be and how I should show up as a woman, as a mother, as a partner. You know, this is how I'm supposed to be. So we all do it. And this was just specific to hiding certain traits of autism. The range was from 25 to 175. Yeah. I scored a 169. <gasps> unmasking. Wow. And that was like a bomb in my world. Even your cat reacted to that. Yes, that was so intense. (laughs) Because, and here's why, Wendy, is because the work that I do, I really pride myself on being authentic. Really, really, truly. And when I'm, and I'm, when I'm with people as maybe probably in your session, I'm I'm very open about my own humanity, my own healing journey, and I like to normalize people's experiences mm-hmm. because we hold such shame about, oh, I have this eating issue. Oh, I have this spending issue. Oh, I've gained some extra weight. Oh, my relationship's falling apart. We have such shame around it that we generally don't talk freely about what's happening in our own little worlds because, you know, we got to put up these masks, right? So that sent me on a long several months journey and I did get formally diagnosis. So yes, hi, I have autism. I also have a really high IQ. So like very, very high, which is one of the traits. I also have an eating disorder, which is one of the symptoms. I'm also very, I have a lot of anxiety. It's another condition that comes with it. I have a lot of depression. I have OCD, another part of it. Like all these little random things that over the course of my lifetime, I've like tried to work on that and I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to work with that. Had no clue there was one big umbrella that says all of these things are related. Wow. Well, this diagnosis, it just, it was literally like someone threw a bomb into my life and everything that I was standing on as my own foundation just got obliterated. Yeah. It's as if nothing changed because I'm still me, still have all of these weird, interesting quirks. I still have all of these interesting needs that my nervous system is wired in a particular way. But with this new information and all these dots all of a sudden getting connected, it's really like, whoa, well, who am I if I allowed my authentic self to really come forward? And that's a little uncomfortable because if I'm really going to be authentic, if I'm in public, you're probably going to see me rocking a little bit. That's just something autistic people, people with autism do. Is there's just yeah. a natural self-soothing? They call it stimming. I tend to yeah. do a lot of the the finger movement, and I've been withholding all of that. I'm 56 years old. Yeah. I've been containing all of that for years. 
So would you say you'd be standing somewhere now that you can, now you have. Now that I know, I allow myself to soothe. Mm -hmm. But if you, but if you, did you ever catch yourself and then stop yourself? Can you look back and say in instances where you have stopped the behavior? No. No, you're unaware of it. Well, that's a really good question. I know I'm good at this. I had, I've spent my whole life. And so they talk about people with autism having special interests. And so one of my special interests is humanity and wounding and trauma and the impact it has and all the things that we do to compensate. Like we come up with some really creative strategies to continue navigating our world even though these really upsetting and profoundly life-altering events have happened. We're hardwired to adapt. And so I've spent my life learning how to look normal. <laughs> I didn't realize. You, yeah, you spent, you spent your life learning how to be normal. And yet when you work with people like me or anybody, you're actually breaking that code. Right. Yeah. Or other. Right. Right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is huge. So big. Wow. Wow. So big. So I'm just learning more and more. And I think every time I come into just a little little nugget of information, it's like it just blows my mind. And I have to reorient to having more information about a deeper truth of who I am. Am I my facade? You know, anyone walking around saying, This is who I am. Yeah, I am that. People are that. It's definitely something that we put on and wear to feel safe, to feel like we fit in, to address and just basic needs, all the things. Yeah. And what would life look like if we start taking those masks off or even realizing we're wearing a mask? And I think for me, that was the big realization is like, oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. So and this is pretty recent, right? This is just a year ago. This is just last June. And the official diagnosis oh, wow. came in September. So this is pretty recent. Very recent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you said it rocked your world a little bit. In, a little well, bit. A lot, a little bit. It did. Turned it on its head. And how did that affect you? Did it, did it affect you? I went into a really deep depression. Honestly, I really struggled with it. And I had to really look at my own biases and my own lack of education about what it is. There's, there's a very strong stereotype, male, sometimes nonverbal, no eye contact, can't communicate socially. Well, I just, you know, letting you know, my other special interest is certain TV shows where I study human interaction. Didn't realize that the first thing that I was looking for when I sit down and I watch House or oh, I or, can see you like or yeah. Criminal Minds or Grey's Anatomy because I love anatomy and I love true crime, all those things. But what I was watching for is how are they relating and how are they talking and what is expected and what's normal. And so I have become an incredible chameleon. I mimic what I see as normal behavior. Oh, wow. Didn't even know I was doing it. Didn't even know. So you went into this depression. What did that look like for you? It was a lot of my own judgments about the condition itself, people who have it. There's certain 
new thought principles and practices of do not name the negative things like stay positive, stay positive. And so I, I actually got a lot of feedback. It's like, yeah, you don't have autism. Like you're not, no, you're not that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so all of a sudden they're like, there's nothing about you that feels autistic to me. And I'm like, well, number one, I'm really good at hiding it. Oh. Most women are actually. And so they think that the stats are actually, they, I just recently saw that they're actually saying that there's probably more women with autism than men. Interesting. And because fitting in socially is more important to women, we're going to mask harder. Whereas men generally don't have that deep need to be accepted. A lot of men are very like, I know what you think of me is none of my business and I really don't care about what you think. Women are wired to care. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Okay. So the depression kind of just was me coming to terms with a really challenged life that could have been easier. So I went into a little bit of the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Like, oh, if I had known how different life could have been. And at the same time, I tell people that train of thought is an absolute waste of energy because no matter what you do, it is what it is. It is what it is. You can't change anything. <laughs> That's the, uh, we call, uh, I, Matt Kahn, who's a spiritual teacher, calls that the 2020 pandemic ascension drinking game. Every time someone says it is what it is, we all take a shot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're all drunk all yes. the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wow. Just, well, but okay. So there's a couple things here. Yeah. I want to know how you managed to work your way through that. Mm -hmm. But to me, as someone who's worked with you, I almost appreciate that you are on that trajectory only because it's almost like you have a, a secret side door. To get you, do you know what I mean? Like you have this secret side door of energy and understanding and ability to go where a normal, supposed, and I'm not pointing at myself, right, right, but neuro average, let's say the average yeah. neuro mind yeah. cannot go, right. So, and I feel like that is one of your. It is a gift. It is a gift for sure. So I guess answer, if you can, how did you work through it to get you back on track or on another track? I don't know. Right. Well, I think all of our journeys are really about coming to acceptance. Like ultimately, mm -hmm. anything that's ever occurred, a major loss, oh, a pandemic, an illness, the loss of a job even changing into something that's joyful, a new relationship or a new role, like suddenly become a parent. Like there's always an adjustment and coming right. into acceptance of what is, to me, seems like the biggest journey of what we're here to do. We're here to understand ourselves, the power that we hold as far as creative centers to embrace all that we've experienced individually and collectively as the universe working for us. And I know that's a big statement because some horrible things are happening. And yet I still choose, even in the discomfort of all, to recognize 
this has absolutely been for me. And as mm -hmm. much as I'm railing against it and as much as I'm having my temper tantrums because I am, <laughs> I still recognize this has value and it has benefits. So for me, one of the things early on in the diagnosis journey was to really appreciate why this makes me such a powerful clinician, meaning my ability to mm -hmm. sit in people's dark spots and not flinch is because I'm not so attached and connected to the experience and to the energy of what's happening because there's this distance that I feel having autism is I don't feel connected to humans the way people traditionally feel. There's, there's nicknames of it that people have called it, you know, other planet syndrome. Like, I don't feel like I'm from this planet. I said that, mm -hmm. I said that my whole life. No way. Oh, because of that disconnect, it's like people with autism are actually on a different channel. And so it is hard to connect with the social general populace. Individually, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm great. Like I can feel- yeah, So you listen without bias. Is that what you're saying? You're able to listen and empathize without bias. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But like, it's confusing to me. And what I've learned is then how are you feeling the energy and your intuitiveness? If so, not right. So the energy is still in the space. Right. The energy is still there. It is. And right. actually people with autism tend to be highly empathetic Mm. there's just a disconnect in their ability to express it and connect with other people. So I feel the energy and I'm highly in empathetic. I'm highly intuitive. And there's still a little bit of a distance for me with people. Okay. So you're not the sponge of say some healers that are out there that actually have to, I had a gal on who actually would have to decompress mm -hmm. and go ground after a session with someone because she would like suck in some of that energy. Are you, are you a little bit? It depends. There's times when my nervous system can get blown out and the, the, you know, the energy is so intense, but when I'm with people, the way I can best describe it is you've seen it on TV where they have that scene where someone's at one end of the hallway and they're trying to get to the other and they start moving, but the back mm -hmm. end of the hall starts stretching away from the keeps going out. Yeah. That's what it feels like for me. Wow. And I can still feel the energy on the other side. I can still tell what's happening. I also have a very, there's a, a spiritual channel by the name of Bashar, a gentleman. I think his name is Daryl Inklin. Inklin something, Daryl, something with an A ink in, I'm not sure. Sorry. Sorry, Daryl. He channels an, an consciousness called Bashar. And I got to see Bashar and talk to Bashar a couple weekends ago. And I asked about autism and I said, I'm just looking for affirmation and confirmation. To me, it seems like the evolutionary jump of the human nervous system from this more single dimensional experience to living more multidimensionally. And that's exactly what he said is like, oh, so you live in multi multiple dimensions. And I'm like, yeah, I do. 
So when you're telling me about your childhood, I can actually like a door, open the door. I can see into it. I can feel all the energy and it's, and there is kind of a clarity for me, but I don't go into the door. I don't pick the energy up. Not mine. Hands off. You're watching the movie. I'm watching a movie. Yeah. Wow. And so for me, I do bring a level of clarity for people where I can see patterns really quickly. Hello, very autistic feature. (laughs) We pick up patterns a lot. And so I just see human behavioral patterns that are naturally born out of trauma, neglect, abuse, all those things. And not even, you can find, you found a pattern with me that I didn't even know was a pattern. Like, yeah, like that. Like that. You go, there seems to be a pattern here. I'm like, what? (laughs) Wait, what? What? That's so interesting. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. I know you haven't shared that with a lot of people. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Only, only like a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for giving but, me the platform to kind of talk about it. It's still kind of new. Absolutely. It's fresh. I I am very careful who I talk to about it now. Of course, you know, I'm doing this, you know, podcast. So maybe not so much that. But what has not been helpful is when people say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't seem autistic to me. And I'm like, okay, that's not helpful for me. Thank you. And people the seem thing, that's a bad word. You don't seem upset. Right. You don't. And I felt that. Oh, ooh, Melinda, that you just that just twanged in me was you don't seem sick when I was like with Lyme, just out right. with Lyme. You look fine. Right. How do you explain that I'm more than what you see right here? It's there's our math, right? There's our math. I totally get it. Yeah, there's a phrase that I really love, and it's this very black and white, shadowy kind of this woman leaning up on a brick wall. It looks like a dark alley. It's dark night. Her head's hanging low, and it says, do not judge her. You don't know the storm I asked her to walk through. Signed, God. And I love that. I love that idea that none of us really know what's happening internally for another being. And to be really gentle right now, because everything is happening. You know, there's divisiveness and there is there's just daily trauma, just listening to the news and through our economics and large populations are being marginalized. And so we're in a really challenged growth spurt. (laughs) in our evolution as human beings on this planet. And it's an accelerated growth spurt as well. It is. The pressure. That's what COVID did. Yeah. Yeah. The pressure's on. We're in the pressure cooker. We're in the Mm -hmm. growth spurt. And none of us want to remember how awful it was to be a teenager. It was awful. Those, you know, our bodies were changing. General plague was happening everywhere. (laughs) It's just a hard time. And so some of us, get through these things with a little more ease and grace. But I don't think any of us are getting out of this unscathed. It's, oh, for sure. It's leaving its mark. And we all have our individual experience of it. And I've, I've been able to sit in so many different places in the world, especially through COVID. And it's amazing the difference how people experience it. I, for one, loved it. I don't have to go out and interact in the world. (laughs) My world didn't change. But I also came to realize I live a very hermited life. And I didn't realize 
just how bubbled I was in my world. And I was like, oh, my life hasn't changed. And everything the world's freaking out. I'm like, oh, well, you got it. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And and we all, we all, part of life's journey, right? Is to have these challenges and life is not a straight line. And you don't <laughs> think, you know, you can't plan things really because what life happens while you're planning, right? What you want to do and kind yeah. of thing. People plan right. hard laughs. <laughs> I like that one. Well, gosh, that's amazing. So let's just like dive back a little bit and let's just real quick bring you to where you are now and what that looks like when you sit with someone. Like you said, you said, well, let me interrupt. I'm going to interrupt you really quick because you said, well, a huge thing that's huge for so many women, whether they like to admit it or not, there's a spectrum of eating disorders yes. for everyone. I know one woman in my life one for sure that doesn't have any kind of food, anything. Nice. That's not her journey. Right. But I would say every other woman I have ever met, I have felt or noticed, or there has been something that indicates there's some kind of struggle with food. Right. And I, I would say I'm going to take it one level deeper because it's not the struggle with food. It's struggle with self-acceptance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, Something about this seems out of sorts. And so I'm going to restrict and constrict this in order to get this to change. And so the, so it looks like we have food issues, which we do, but the deeper issue, which I'm always interested in helping people find is like, what's at the core of this? What's actually the cause versus what's the symptom? The eating food um, dysfunction, that's the symptom. Symptom. The self-hatred, the self-criticism, the I'm not good enough, that's the cause. Like there's a nugget in there that is misinformed programming. And I remember when I was in when I was 20 and in, in the eating disorder unit, and I had that epiphany come in, I'm gonna be the person that sits in other people's dark spots, holds the light, knows the truth. Because of a nurse. Because there was one nurse there that you right, right. adored me said, I want to be like her. I want to be like her. And she just was such a beautiful light and such a challenged place in my life. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And I want to be the one that knows the truth until people can know it for themselves. What I think is really interesting is what, when you had that come to Jesus meeting with your father and said, oh, by the way, I think I have an eating disorder. I had that uh, that come to Jesus meeting with my parents as well mm -hmm. when I was 19 or 20. Yeah. Same, same age. Interesting. Um, but my parents didn't say what you heard. Yeah. My dad, I'll just share. I love this story. It's funny now at the, at the moment it was just horrifically right. shocking, but, but now it's just funny. He said, Oh, thank God. I thought you were on drugs. Right. <laughs> so right. Funny. So funny. Yeah. Cause your behavior can be a little erratic. You're covering up your tracks and that takes energy and time and things. Yeah. Interesting. So you, you go to treatment, you meet this nurse and you say you want to be like her. And that brings you to the place where you decide to work through it. Is it still part of your life? The eating disorder? It is. Yeah, it is. And I, and I'm a little sad to say that I do. I still notice some shame about that. I'm also mm -hmm. appreciating it in a whole nother level because the eating disorder since I was 20 was the problem. And I know through my years, it's like, no, that's a symptom of something deeper. But I was going into 
trauma. It's like, okay, it's my traumatic childhood. I grew up with an alcoholic father. There was a lot of neglect in the environment that I grew up in. And all of that's true. For a lot of us, all of that's true. But now it's like, oh, this is also a symptom of this, this very different neurological wiring. I refuse to call it a disability, even though there's moments when I feel quite disabled. To me, it's not. It's, it's just a different wiring. My nervous system relates to its environment a little differently. I pick up a lot more information than most people. Yeah, that's interesting. It. But you help people with weight loss through your, that's one of your it's one accolades. Of, yeah, it's one of the things I do. I've worked for a number of years with an amazing gentleman by the name of John Gabriel. I just got to spend the weekend with him. So good. And he has this sustainable weight loss program. And so I've been one of his coaches and have been back in New York at Omega, I think five or six times. Oh, wow. He, he used to do retreats there once a year. And so I've done a lot of my own work around my eating issues and I've worked with a lot of people. But again, I truly, truly believe that if all we do is focus on the behaviors and we don't go to the cause, we're not really going to understand it fully or appreciate why it's there. Now with the diagnosis, I appreciate exactly so much more about what that experience is, the binging, the purging, and all of it. It's, it's more about helping myself regulate but in a very dysfunctional way. So now I'm learning, and I have been over the years, like there's periods when it's just not present at all, and then something stressful happens and it happens for a little bit. But I'm really learning different ways to regulate my nervous system, to take care of myself in much healthier ways, to recognize that just this, just a little bit of rocking can create a night and day difference at the end of the day for me. Wow. When I rock and when I allow myself to do that, even in sessions, sometimes I'll notice I'll let myself have a little bit of movement as long as I feel it's not distracting for the client. By the end of the day, I'm much more peaceful. I'm much more calm. I'm not kind of on edge where things feel like they're just about to go into a meltdown. So I'm appreciating even more. This is my nervous system. It has some special, unique ways that it needs to be cared for. And that's where I think truly we're all that way. We all have our own unique nervous systems that need their own special care. And the journey of life is to really understand ourselves and to give ourselves those needs, to prioritize ourselves, Wendy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like I brought my little grandson who is so congested. We're trying to figure out. He's only seven weeks old, six weeks, seven weeks. I don't know. Anyway, brought him to the chiropractor for his second visit and then his third visit this week. And she was April Warhola. She has been on the podcast. She's an energy healer chiropractor and she's working with him. He's screaming. And then all of a sudden dropped down, like went limp and fell asleep. Yeah. Like that. And I asked her, she goes, we have finally, and I thought about this while you were talking. She said the last two visits uncovered the sympathetic nervous system. So I could get to his parasympathetic nervous system and start releasing 
-hmm. these blocks and things. And that's exactly what you're talking about, but you do it with the conscious and the subconscious. Yeah. The work I do is really more about listening to the story. That's our conscious mind. That's what we know. But if our conscious mind only has four to 8%, what's that other 92 plus percent? What's that data informing ourselves? Back up. Say that again, because I don't think people really realize when you said that to me the first time I freaked out, that our minds only do what? Four to eight percent is what we consciously know of all the information that's held in our cellular memory. Ninety-two plus percent of of the data is outside of our conscious reach. This is the analogy. If I give you four to eight puzzle pieces and say, go ahead, put this together and tell me what the picture is. And you try and try and try to get those four to eight pieces together. And years later, you're in just a complete state of frustration. And I said, oh, I forgot to tell you there's a hundred pieces to that puzzle. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Right. That makes sense. Yeah. That's why, and I love talk therapy. I will never talk down about talk therapy. It is important, but we're only talking about four to eight percent of what we know. And so, when I'm working with someone, can I use your example of prioritizing open book? Because it's it's such a we're trained as women to not put ourselves first. We are trained to put ourselves last, and so we all hold this on some level. And so, if I have a pattern of not prioritizing myself. I can go to someone who does cellular release therapy, puts me into a lightly light trance. We're not talking deep trances. We're already in a deep trance. So light trance. And I start talking to the subconscious and I say to the subconscious, how many times have you had this experience of prioritizing others over yourself? More than one, more than 10, more than a hundred, more than a thousand. The data that we hold is generational. If you're of the belief system, it's lifetimes. So this could be something that's been happening within our being for quite some time. And we can clear all of those experiences without having to remember it all. And then we can ask the subconscious to go to the very first experience that in some way caused you to prioritize others over yourself. And we can go to the causal experience and clear that. And what that does is it gets rid of a lot of internal riffraff that we didn't know was there. And the, I use the garden analogy. Think about you're re- getting ready to plant a crop. You want all those roots and all those weeds and all those rocks out of the soil so there's room for that, those seeds, new seeds to grow. Affirmations or new habits are like those little new seeds. But if we don't clear the way, it's just going to land on, I'm undeserving, I'm unworthy, I'm unimportant, I don't matter. And those seeds are not going to take root, right? We have to clear all of those things out of the way so that there's just more ease about getting from where we are to where we want to be without so many of those unconscious belief systems and unresolved experiences getting in our way. Rewiring. Truly, which is what Joe Dispenza talks about. Like all the great teachers and motivational speakers talk about, you have to address your beliefs. What if we don't know that we're holding a belief? What if we don't know that? Yeah, like me. I had no idea. I know. I had no idea. (laughs) And I felt a lot lighter. Oh, that's funny. That bird that when we were on our 
<laughs> Side note, when we were on our call, I said, there's this really weird bird sitting on the roof out there. It's not dead, but it's just sitting there. It's back. I wonder oh, if it's your bird. Tell us. I or said hello. Somebody. Yeah, somebody's. Hmm, so interesting. Yeah. Anyway, how did you learn? Like, I'm so curious. How did you come upon this? How did you decide this was something that you could do, A, and then do for many people? Yeah. It's one thing if it works for one person, but to do it for just about, you didn't know me coming in. We met through a mutual friend. Right. Like, she just said, oh, you would love oh, Melinda. You should ask her. You should but I said, okay. And then I finally got an appointment with you. We had emailed a couple of times, but we never met. Yeah. And then you went right in for the kill. Laser focused. Yeah. How does that, how does that so, happen? So the question, how did I learn this was pure necessity. It was my own survival. So I was seeking anything to help me feel more normal less reactive to my environment and, and all the trauma drama I was holding within myself, I was seeking help. And yeah. through that seeking, I ended up in the eating disorder unit. I met the nurse, her name's Cinnamon. I met Cinnamon, got inspired, but I, I truly believe we have something in us, some higher intelligence, call it our soul, our higher self, Bob, I don't call it whatever you want. But I believe that that is in and of itself creating its own tractor beam, its own attraction, magnetism, and will draw to us the very things that will awaken it and that will open it. And so I've constantly been drawing spiritual teachers and opportunities and traveling to sacred sites all around the world. I just feel drawn to them because it's been part of my journey and it's been part of the unfolding. And I love healing. I am so lucky and blessed. I don't want to call it luck. I'm so blessed that I get to spend time in my special interests and I get to do this as a job and I get to see people transform and I get to see the light bulbs go on. Like your face is still really lit up. It's so fun to see. And and, and isn't that just in alignment with who I am, whether we call this autism, whether we call it a passion or a special interest or just, you know, my soul journey, call it what it is. It's just, I just followed the breadcrumbs. And I believe we all have that in ourselves, right? We just need to relax and follow our passion, follow our joy, or like me, follow your necessity until it changes on you. And it's like, oh, I want to do this for others now. You said that you pioneered your way to where you're going and that you published something called Stepping Stones and that things just showed up for healing. They just, things just showed up for you. Yes. For your own healing. And you were just open to showed going. And that's what most people have done that have been on this podcast, mm -hmm. have allowed the things. Right. And those things are naturally going to show up anyways. It's trusting it. It's being willing to take those courageous leaps. In this story I wrote about my own personal journey, Stepping Stones, it's, it was that leap of faith that Indiana Jones took when he took that first step off the cliff and then the step appeared, right? Right. The moment he put his foot down through faith and through trust, 
that support showed up. And so there's so many cliffs I've leapt off of. I'm like, I have no idea what this is about. So, (laughs) and the universe caught me every time. And so there's just never been a time that I, I have free fallen for very long. I've had moments where I felt like I'm like, (laughs) that was my diagnosis last year. (laughs) Spin, spin. But I'm starting to land. Yeah. Wow. All right. So real quick, take us through like what a session would look like for someone who's interested in doing that with you. And then think about something that warms your heart with someone you worked with. Oh my gosh. That share. Oh my gosh. How many? So many. So a sessions. So what it looks like is generally, and, and it's funny because we didn't actually do the conventional way. Like you said, we just met and we were right in. Because I couldn't prioritize, Melinda. <laughs> I'm like, just let's just freaking jump in because I don't have time for this. But now, but now you have, and now you see it. And so now you can change it. So yeah. generally I start out with a consult. We get to meet for about 15, 20 minutes just to find out what are your goals? Because here's the thing is I may not be the right person for everybody. I know that's true. And so I don't want to waste people's time or resources or be yet another thing that didn't work. I don't want to oh, contribute yeah. to that. So I'm only going to work with people who I feel confident that I can successfully walk them through whatever the challenge is. And the only time I do say that's beyond my scope is when there's real mental illness, like bipolar disorder. I don't do a lot of work with borderline personality disorder. Like that takes a specialized training. I don't want to set someone up for things to get worse. That's not what I'm right, right, right. We have our consult, and then generally people will decide what they want to work on, and they'll sign up and for one, three, or five sessions. And we just do a really deep dive. We do a lot, a lot of clearing. That's the primary focus of what I do. Get all mm-hmm. those trauma thorns out of the paw so we can stand upright. But I also help mm-hmm. people elevate their skill sets because sometimes we need to learn to say no. We need to learn how to set a boundary. We need to learn how to communicate a feeling. We need to learn how to prioritize ourselves and self-care in healthy ways. We need to learn how to take care of our unique nervous system. So I help people up-level skill sets. And then the third thing I do with people is called emotional integration. I get to introduce you to the many parts of you that are probably going in opposite directions and bring them back together. So Oh, we're so fragmented. And I hear it all the time, especially with food. It's like, I'm so excited to release this weight, but there's this part of me that doesn't want to give up my chocolate. (laughs) I'm like, oh, Oh. two separate parts. One's motivated. One is not wanting to give up something. Oh, okay. We need to talk to both of those and create an environment where both feel heard, supported, and where we're aligning with our highest goal and bringing in resources to help certain parts of us that are struggling. So Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think so of that's that. what it looks like. Um, and then you said one thing that warmed my heart. Yeah. Like an instance, like for example, someone you worked with that you saw, a, I mean, the difference in everyone, how can you not? Like I went into it going, I just want to know what hypnosis is like. <laughs> I didn't really, I, I didn't really think I had anything to work on at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you really took a leap of faith, like just taking yeah. me after I 
There is one that that's really close to my heart right now. I've worked with a woman who, like many of us, have a hard time saying things that might be hurtful to someone else to hear, even though it's our truth, and was in such a state of internal torture. Like I would say torture, borderline panic attacks, couldn't breathe, stressed all the time, losing sleep because this person needed to say, I'm uncomfortable with this. That's it. Just needed to say, this isn't working for me. But the intensity of withholding and it's like, oh, I can't say that. It's going to hurt them. Oh, my God. And so we worked together for a handful of sessions. And when she finally started speaking her truth, her body relaxed, her relationships changed, joy came back. She's back into feeling motivated and inspired in life again. But it's amazing how when we won't speak our truth, everything just gets constricted, right? And so I've seen this again and again and again and again, is learning to be able to feel safe enough to be vulnerable, to risk losing a, a relationship or, or something in our life changing, but to align with ourselves and our highest truth and be able to speak it, magic. Girlfriend, that's so interesting because last night I was leaving my daughter's house after dropping her adorable little girl off and she's standing outside and, and she's like picking at the sap on the top of my car. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you okay? And she's like, I'm just going to tell people from now on that no, it's not okay. No, I'm not going to arrange that for you. No, if you want to know what's happening, why don't you make plans? And I go, what's wrong? She goes, I can't pretend to be happy all the time and be the leader of the emotional welfare of everyone around me. Good job. And I go, whoa, okay. What does that look like? And she goes, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to figure it out. But she doesn't want to. So here's where you come in. Because when someone is finally, I'm at my breaking point and she is having panic attacks and this is happening. So how does... My family knows I share. Don't worry. So anyway, she is also nervous about what happens when. And I think that's a big block for all of us for taking action is, exactly. wow, if I stand up, my life could change. They might say, yes, yeah, see you later. Sayonara. I'm out of here. If you're not going to be the person I want you to be, well, then I'm gone. That's right. Right? We might. They might. How do you help the person? Like, why would they want to take the chance then to change and do what's What's in their best? Well, here's the cool thing. And so going back to cellular release is we can clear all those fears, the fears that you'll lose something, the fear that you'll be rejected, abandoned, that you'll die alone. Like if we carry those, I call them the dominoes. If we really carry the domino out, why am I scared to say my truth? Because I might get judged. And if I'm judged, then I might get shunned, mm -hmm. rejected or abandoned. If I get abandoned, I'm going to die alone. And it usually will end in wow. something like death, destruction, something awful. The truth is when we speak our truth, we give permission to others to be their authentic selves. I heard it this way, and I love this so much. We all have our own unique individual signature. We are the puzzle piece of the magnificent puzzle of humanity. And if we are not our true selves, our piece is never going to fit in. We are not supposed to be homogenized. 
We're supposed to be unique expressions. And I think it's important to start normalizing our uniqueness. And there's a lot of resistance to that. There's a lot of resistance to that. And isn't that kind of something that autism is kind of bringing into the general population is there's some unique individuals who are very themselves in all their unique nature. And so maybe they're the way showers of, you know, just be you. I love people with Down syndrome for that as well. Very little concern about what other people think. Fully embodied and joyful. Joyful. Love it. But they're being themselves. Oh, mind-blowing how you just connected those dots. Right? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, obviously you were supposed to figure this out. And I have one more thing to blow your mind. I have one more thing. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to be so bold to say that that shift in your daughter was a ripple effect of the work that you did. You changed it within yourself. And so energetically, when we change, it ripples out both directions to the generation past and the generation before us. I would be so bold. Oh God, I'm getting all the clamped right now yeah. that you said that. Yeah. Wow, it gives me a little, uh, you can't see, but I'm getting little chicken chicken arms. Yeah. I don't Chicken's think getting- that there's any coincidence between you having a session whenever you had it not so long ago. It was like pretty recent. I, it was like two days ago. And then this new behavior showing up in your daughter. I'm like, yeah, those are directly related. Wow. Oh my gosh. Melinda, we could talk forever. This is amazing. People need to sign up with you. Actually, I'm going to sign my daughter up with you. <laughs> well, see if she needs to. Oh, she's all into this stuff now. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. No, no. And I'll say, I already started it for you. There you go. <laughs> I already started the work for you. So you just have to jump on in. Yeah. How do people get in touch with you, Melinda? So on my website, which is quantum-therapeutics.com. There's all sorts of book now, you know, sign up for your consult. So that's one place. Facebook, you can find me, Melinda V. Jacobs. My picture still looks sort of like this. My business is Quantum Therapeutics. So you can follow me on social media. I also have a YouTube channel, Melinda Jacobs, CCHT is my YouTube channel. And so I often have lots of just random thoughts and musings that I share from time to time. And so you'll find them there as well. Oh, I have to go and look at those. And I'll send you all my links so you can just plug them into the description and they the links. Yeah, we'll have so, yeah. them all on our show notes and everything, which is a list of almost 5,000, by the way. Oh, our mailing list. I know. Crazy. I didn't even know that. List. Um, do tell what keeps you going every day. Because, I mean, you have, obviously, your own hurdles, your own challenges, <laughs> right. as we all do. I love the fact that you're not just this person that's figured it all out, gathers the energy and makes it work. Yeah, no. I think what really keeps me going, I don't remember if this was in the podcast you were listening to, but I've had two near-death experiences. My most recent one was I, I left my body. I was very, very, very sick. I had a massive kidney infection and I was literally on death's doorstep. And I got there and it was as if I had interrupted a meeting. Like I felt these presences kind of like focused on something and then look up and it was like, you're not supposed to be here yet. And they literally kicked me out, like booted me out. 
<laughs> and I come crashing back into my body. What keeps me going is it's not time for me to leave yet. Okay. And as much as I would like to, this is a very uncomfortable experience for me. That's what they say. If you're not really from here right now, you don't want to be here, right? Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. Oh, I just said, you always kind of feel like you're a little bit out of place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just a standard. I've, I've felt that way my whole life. Understanding the autism piece makes sense, but that doesn't make it go away. And so that's, that's just kind of challenging to live with. You know, the suicide rates for people with autism is really high. And so I love this question. What keeps me here is my offspring. I love that being so much. My cat, I love him so much. My partner, I love so much. I love learning and I love seeing people be able to know what's possible. And so all of that keeps me relatively engaged most days. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to go anywhere fast. I think no. we need you. Yeah. We need you. Right. Do you have a mantra or anything that you say to get yourself out of bed every day? Fuck it. Let's do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. <laughs> just fucking get up and just do it. <laughs> do it. Sometimes it's just got to be raw like that. That that works. It works for me. Sometimes I did that this morning. I'm like, ah, get up. Right? You just got to do this. It doesn't matter if you're tired. Yeah. You just got to get up and do what and you're I doing. Think one of my favorite things, my partner, we're not together all the time, but when we are and I get up out of bed before he does, I just love this. He says, go help people. Mm -hmm. Go help Aww. people. And it's just, it's just like this sweet send off into my day. And it's just kind of anchors me into why I'm here and what I'm doing. I'm just here to help people. And, and you myself, are, of course, I mean, through it, I couldn't do it if I wasn't doing my own work. So yeah. Well, and I don't think you'd be as effective if you weren't doing your own work no. for sure. No, the, oh the years of hypocrisy of, of modeling through hypocrisy are well long gone. <laughs> yeah. And the lessons are priceless. They are. They are. Well, Melinda, thank you so much for taking this time with me. Thank you. This crazy Melinda, lady that couldn't so make it to an appointment. I cannot wait for this to come out. This is truly like my coming out a little bit. So how perfect is that on second wind to really just fully step into this? So thank you. Oh, thank you. And thank you for being willing to share. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's a feat in and of itself. Yep. So until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind. <laughs>